This episode is brought to you by Essentia. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. This episode of Soap from the Box is sponsored by Podcorn. Who is that, you're asking? It's not a soap star. It's a marketplace that connects podcasters like me to sponsorship opportunities without the middleman. And we all love that. So whatever size podcast you have, you can collaborate with brands directly. It has been so easy. So if you too are looking for sponsorship, visit Podcorn now. You can find the link in my show notes. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Soap from the Box, series two, two episodes every week for you to listen to, where I'll be giving you behind the scenes information and the real life dramas of some of our most loved TV soap actors from EastEnders, Coronation Street, Emmerdale, Hollyoaks, Home and Away and Neighbours. The other episode is with Emmerdale's Charlie Hardwick, who played Val, one of my favourite characters ever, so please listen to that. This episode is for Hollyoaks fans out there, another one you're going to love. So he played Jeff Bowyer on, I think that's how you say, in BBC Three's Gemma Factor, worked alongside me in the offices of Coronation Street and is now a hugely popular part of Hollyoaks. Having played Scott Drinkwell for over five years, please welcome Ross Adams. Morning, Ross. Ah, oh, morning, Lee. That was a very nice intro. And year, and, and it's been years since I've heard uh, Jeff, Jeff Bowyer. Is yeah, that, that, yeah, how do you say that name? It's spelt really weird. I was like, oh, you know, when you see something coming up in the writing, you're like, oh, no, I haven't practised saying that. Yeah, no, it was. That was the top marks to you. That was. That was one of my first first proper, well, proper kind of decent telly job where Claire King, another soap legend. Yes, I was going to bring you up. She was in it with you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite yeah. funny. So even though, because I know you've watched soap and stuff for, the, for your life, but it's quite, soap has been there through everything, hasn't it? Oh, God, yeah. And And I just wanted to say to you, Lee, thanks so much for inviting me on because as we talked about, you know, I think soap is such a massive part of people's lives and I think it's really easy for people to um kind of not not be disparaging about soap or soap actors but I often don't think we we hear there we hear the actors stories much so I think the fact that you're doing this is uh is, is awesome and I'm just I'm just chuffed to be a part of it oh I'm so glad you're on and it is really weird that's what I find really weird. you know say Graham Norton and stuff you would never it, bizarrely for some reason there'd never be a soap star on even though those programs get bigger ratings than Graham Norton so yeah it's just, it's just a really weird circle that soaps unfortunately through the years I think it's got better and better but there's still this um there's this still this image of soap bizarrely I don't understand because I think any actor that goes to work on soap then realizes especially if they've had a bit of a view of it 
and that how incredible everyone is working the way they do and the hours you work and amazing it's hats off isn't it to soap people and the crews and everyone oh totally yeah I mean I remember when I was at Corrie and I used to watch Barbara Knox you know drive herself into work and she was 80 then um and she'd be coming in and she'd be doing long days and stuff and you know it's people in their 20s and 30s can struggle with the with the schedule sometimes but you know for for someone in their 80s and someone like and doing it for years you just I just think hats off to them because it it, they are long hours and it it, is for the crew as well as the cast but but it's also kind of the best job in the world when you're in it. You are so interesting because obviously, I, I mean, the only person probably I know of that, I mean, when I joined Corey as a director, you were working as the assistant to, I think it was it Stuart at the time, Stuart Blackburn series. Bill, Bill Collinson. Bill Collinson. Oh yeah, it was Phil Collinson. So, I mean, yeah. it must've been a really weird, I mean, so you'd obviously always, we'll talk about you. So what we do on the podcast is spend time talking about the soap. So we'll talk about Holly Oaks and then a bit of your use. So we'll talk about your early ambitions later, but you obviously wanted to be an actor. So what was it like working? Was it almost quite hard seeing these actors doing the job you want to do? Or or did you kind of feel like you learned a lot from working that side of the camera? It was hell on earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was brilliant because I learned so much about, you know, the, the production side and the editorial side. And I think that's been really useful for me as an actor because it's given me a, a, a kind of a wider understanding of, of how shows, particularly soaps, work. But at that time, when I when I when I went to Corrie, um, I was it was only really a temp job for for two weeks. Phil had a uh, a PA at the time who was going off on annual leave on holiday for two weeks, and they just needed someone to cover. And when I I trained at Salford Uni, and when I was there. Um, one of the reasons why I chose to go to Salford was because... And that's thought, the one in the middle of Media City, isn't it? Yeah, well, at the time it wasn't. At the time actually. it wasn't, no, yeah. At the time it was the Adelphi campus kind of on just off Chapel Street. Um, but when, when I went for my interview and for my audition, I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm so close to Granada TV. And as a kid, I used to watch Korean stuff and I'd see the end credits and it would come up, you know, Granada television and Granada TV for me was just like this magical world. And I just wanted to be a part of it. So, yeah. when, so when I was still at uni, um, we got me and a group of mates from uni got audience tickets to go and see a show that was being recorded at Granada. And it was called Celebrities Under Pressure with Vernon Kay. It was like an right. IT <laughs> primetime thing. And we all went off and uh, sat in the audience. And I noticed that there were these audience hosts and they had these T-shirts on with 360 Media written on. And I'd never, ever heard of 360 Media. But that night I went home and I Googled it and I found this website and there was like a contact us box on this website where you could send an inquiry. And I basically lied through my teeth and <laughs> said, oh, I'm a really experienced audience host. I've done loads of audience hosting at Tyne Tees Telly, which is where I'm from. And obviously, at the time, I think Tyne Tees just made the news and that that was it. But I blagged that I I was a really experienced audience host. And somehow, God knows how, but I got uh, an email to say, can you come in for an interview? And I went into Granada, which was like magical. I remember wearing a suit because I didn't know. Brilliant, for an audience, brilliant, yeah. And I turned up in the Granada canteen wearing like a, a shirt and tie and blazer. I must have looked completely ridiculous. 
And I think they just took pity on me and they said, okay, we'll give you a job. And it was like a zero hours contract. And I was working on shows like Stars in Their Eyes and stuff like that. Brilliant. But it gave me my Granada pass. So what I used to do when I was in my kind of second and third year at uni, if I had free periods and stuff, I would just go off to, to Granada, sit in the canteen, have lunch and talk to people and just try to kind of get to know them. I was so interested in telly and the way it worked and, and I just wanted to be a part of it. Um, and then, so because out, because out of that, I used to get like the odd daily job as running or third AD and, and stuff on various different bits and bobs. And then this, this um, pre- assistant to the producer job came up and it was just two week cover and I took it. And I remember during doing that cover, um, Phil's PA at the time had found a new job and, and announced that they were going to leave. And I remember Phil saying to me, Ross, would you would you be up for, you know, interviewing for this job permanently? And late, I remember turning around to Phil Collinson, you know, like BAFTA winning Phil Collinson. I know, who's just obviously done It's a Sin. It's in, oh, God, that is, I, I'm still, I'm still. I know, I'm still, we watched you know, the last one last night, so I'm still in, I'm still recovering. I'm picking up the broken pieces in my heart, but yeah. Yeah, oh my God, so well done though, wasn't it? It was just. Yeah, incredible, incredible, yeah. Um, I remember, I remember saying to Phil, he said, you know, would you, would you, would you want, this job permanently and I turned around to him and said oh god god no, god, no. <laughs> I'm an actor I'm, I'm an I'm an actor I, I you know I don't want to do this and he said well look Ross what's the longest shoot you've been on so far and I think it, it was the Gemma Factor which was like a six-week shoot in Hebden Bridge over the summer and he said look you get four weeks annual leave here we get two weeks off at Christmas if you have auditions and things you know we can work around it but this would be a regular job. You could get a mortgage if you wanted to buy a house and do all of those things. And I just thought, you know what? He's he's right. And so yeah. I, I interviewed for the job and I and I got it. And I was there for about 18 months. And I remember when I first started, it was it was probably the hardest because I did still really want to act and I was missing. And obviously part of that job is dealing with the actors a lot, isn't it? And organizing stuff. And it's kind of like even worse because it's like I want to be the one being organized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I what used you to did at the beginning was great there. I did the same. I I got um I started work experience at BBC. So you used to hang around BBC all the time and did like uh running jobs on blankety blank. Like we used to stand in for people on blankety blank with Lily Savage and Paul doing Lily Savage with me pretending to be Thora Heard and stuff. But it's the best. Oh, you've been brilliant at that, Lee. I know <laughs> I did. And well, I used to do um <laughs> uh what's the big interview show called? Michael Oh my god, I've forgotten his name. Parkinson. Uh, Parkinson. So we used to rehearse Parkinson bizarrely for hours. I mean it was so and I used so we used to as the runners have to come out as the guest and then do a kind of five minute interview with him as that person. And I loved it. Brilliant. <laughs> but um it's oh, great. Have you any of that footage, Lee? Is that still out there? I wish I did. I wish I did. Oh. I did once play Stephen Gately and Boyzo with the rest of the boys over on Comic Relief as well. I've got that on video. <laughs> but um it's kind of gives you because I love telly as well, but it gives you such a great whatever job you're doing. Obviously, I didn't want to be an actor, I wanted to be a director, but just I think watching people at work is so great for when you make it to the job you want to be at because you kind of have an understanding of what everyone's doing as well. Yeah, yeah, no, you do, you do, and it was, it was, it was hard, but then actually when I, when I was in that role, I loved it, and I and I got to it was great for me in so many ways because I I was able to 
scored to things. You were quite close to Barbara Knox as well, weren't you? You got on really well with her. Oh, I love her. I absolutely just adore her. She's amazing, yeah. Oh, I mean, talk about soap icon. I mean, she she is the epitome, I think, of a soap icon. You yeah, know, I she's... think for me, it's her and June Brown. When I worked with June Brown, that was just um, still, uh, I still pinched myself. Do you know I mean, you're like, I can't believe I'm actually with Doc Cotton. Yeah, absolutely. And and these were the people who, even when I was at Corrie, you know, you would still, it was really interesting when I, when I listened to your podcast with uh, Denise Welsh and she was talking about when, she got to Corrie and she was just thinking, you know, please, God, don't call them by their character names. I know, yeah. And, and you do because you've grown up watching these people and, and then you're there with them and you might be in a car with them going to the NTAs or the soap awards or whatever. And, and there, was, there used to be a part of me where I'd sit there and kind of, I still get this occasionally, but you, you, you'd sit there with them and you'd think, how the hell have I got here? Like, I how, know. You know, it's just... Well, I really, I mean, I really fancied when I was straight Glynis Barber in Dempsey Makepeace when I was young. And we're like best friends now. But when she joined Emmerdale and, I mean, I still have to disconnect her from Makepeace because I'm like, I can't be friends with that. Do you know what I mean? It's so weird that some of your childhood icons can become your best friends. And obviously they're just, as we all know in this industry, that everyone's just normal anyway. Actors are just normal people. But when someone's yeah. an icon to you, it's just... Yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? You feel like you're in the presence of... I mean, Barbara, I almost curtsied to when I first met Barbara Knox. <laughs> just instantly. <laughs> but I love I went for a curtsy, not a bow. I mean, it's like, oh, Lee, so embarrassing. <laughs> but you also did storylining on Emmerdale, um, and we won't talk too much about that. But what I was going to do, you, you came up with stories for over 400 eps. So going to do you a quick Emmerdale storyline game, right? So a couple of questions. Oh, God. I know. Right, so... Who do you think, you know, character-wise, and they could be characters who've been in the show before, the most unlikely love story that could set the village ablaze? Oh, are we talking now? Yeah, now all past characters. You can choose anyone. Um, so for me, I really like when in Soap you get really unusual kind of odd couple pairings. So, and sometimes they can just be like platonic friendships, which I really enjoy. Yeah, so like in yeah. Corrie, I loved it when... Roy and Haley would take in the waifs and strafes into the calf. So um, I thought thought the relationship between Kate Kelly and David Nielsen yeah, it was amazing. And in Emmerdale, yeah. I loved Finn and Val. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I would say I would probably want to see in Emmerdale, Kim Tate yeah. get with someone who you really wouldn't expect her to. So kind of someone who would re it would kind of surprise maybe like david i mean that would be really off the scale weird oh Matthew yeah. that could be yeah. really funny that would be amazing actually i could see that um who the pub if it was if charity and chance left who who there now could run the pub and be and cause a new a new era in the pub do you think Ooh. I know I'm putting you right on the spot here but but for listeners actually I said this because my friend Laurie LJ who now runs the soap wars actually but he used, yeah, to, yeah. He used to be a storyliner on um, Emmerdale and he did. Night we had drinks and I was and he actually went it's really hard because say Diane for instance come up with a storyline and obviously you've got your obvious you know cancer death cheating but actually it's really hard storylining like I was going oh yeah it's this is really hard and when you've got cars of like 60 to keep going yeah, no, I know it is. It is. And I think that's, you know, actors can sometimes be a bit like, oh, you know, I really want a big A story and I want, but, but it's really difficult to, and I know how difficult it is to 
share that story amongst everybody Not, yeah because it can't just have one person in it you have to try to make it kind of work with lots oh. of their cars don't you yeah who so would you like to see in the pub i think i'm thinking um, i'm trying to think i'd quite like i love amy walsh yes tracy would be amazing yeah tracy, and i think i, I love i kind of i love strong feisty funny female characters so, and i think if if Chaz and ever ever left the pub that ever left the Woolpack, then I think it would be nice to see somebody with that kind of comedy base to them that would um that would kind yeah, of Yeah, I could kind of see Paddy in the pub with teamed with someone else could be quite good. Yeah, I could actually. Yeah. But there we go, Emma Doe, for listening. And the final one, if someone could have a reappearance in the shower, aka proper old American style. Someone who's died in Emmerdale, who would you bring back? Who would be on top of your list to bring back? Well, just because of the whole, because because she came back, and funnily enough, when I was at Emmerdale, I pitched a story to bring back Kim Tate. Oh and wow! They, and they didn't they didn't run with it then, but I kind I like to think I like to believe it's pro- I probably had nothing to do it, with it, but it's because of I, you, Ross. Come on, I like to believe yeah. that that someone sat around that table went, you know what? We'll we'll Can keep you remember this. Ross what he said. Let's go with that. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. she, I thought she was. I would love them to bring back Melinda Burrows. Oh yes, she was like my favorite, and she love her to go back. I I think actually I would reinstate Val Charlie Holby because I do think Val was one of the best characters I've ever had. And let's get to you on Hollyoaks, which well, why we're here. We've kind of diverted, but it's just an amazing story that you've seen the other side. Not many actors have done that. So you made your first appearance as Scott Drinkwell in 2015. Apparently, I've read you forgot your lines in the screen test. Oh Lee, it was I was a bag of nerves, I was, <laughs> which everyone was, always is, as we know. Yeah, but I think what what made it even harder for me at the time was there was some kind of um, like high profile people up up for for that part. There was like a guy from X Factor and stuff, and I remember sitting in the um, it, it, we used to call it the Goldfish Bowl. There's a room in the casting office at, at Lang Pictures, which is just kind of it's within within casting, but just big glass windows. They have you know what at Emmerdale when I left. Sorry to interrupt you. They that we ended up doing castings in a goldfish bowl in reception. I was like, this yeah. is really weird. The poor actors. Yeah. And I've been in that goldfish bowl. Have you? Yeah. What yeah. an odd place to do casting. Here we are. Lee. Yeah. But anyway, go on. So that's, that's quite nerve wracking then having people you recognize up as well. Cause you must think, God, I've got no chance. Yeah. And I, and that was it. And I just kind of thought oh, oh, and when you see somebody who's really recognizable and stuff and, and you've, you've watched them on X factor and things you think, Oh, well, obviously they're going to get the part because they've got this huge social media following and, you know, people know who they are. So that kind of, I think that threw me a little bit. And then I went in to the screen test and, and I knew a lot of the producers and stuff who were there from when I was behind the camera. And I think that added to my nerves because. Yes, of course. Yeah. They, they're probably seeing you in a new light as well. Yeah. And so I got in there and my first, the, the screen test was a scene with me and Kieran Richardson. Um, and Kieran was so lovely. He just like really put my mind at rest and, and, and was, was really nice. But I think I just let the nerves get the better of me. And I literally, I think I got about two lines out and then I went, Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Can I have the line? I'm really, and then that threw me. And then I just thought, and then I kind of fell to pieces and I just thought, Oh my God, this is horrendous. Get, you know, get me out of here. Managed to get to the end of it. And I remember um, Jill Charnock, one of the casting directors led me back 
from the, the the studio into the cast into the goldfish bowl, and I remember holding her hand and just saying to Jill, "Oh, Jill, that was, I feel so bad. Like I I know I can do better, and I just I feel like I've really let myself down." And Jill was lovely, and she was like, "Ross, don't worry, you know, you you were fine. It was it was completely fine." But I thought there was no way, and I remember getting in the car and ringing my mum. And just saying to her, "Well, you know what, Mum? I'm. It's fine. I'll. 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 Yeah. Wait. Stick I'll wait for the next one. Well, at that point, I was thinking, I'll just be. You know, I'll stick to script editing. I'll stick right. to story. Oh, yeah. And then, um, and then somehow they, I got an email to say, can you come back for a second screen test? And I, I managed to hold it together at the second screen test, and. Um, and they I mean, told I've, done, I've done auditions and so many people fall apart, I mean, especially on screen tests. And for people listening, you would go for an audition with a casting director and then like, the final few come for a screen test, which is in the studio, in a set, with actors from the show. So with a crew. I mean, it's, I, mean I used to be nervous for them because you saw them walk on set and visibly be shaking. I mean, so everyone is in that. So I'm sure they probably, and probably the bigger stars were even, because we saw someone really big for Emmerdale who didn't get the part and she was literally fell apart but she was you can see through it do you know what I mean yeah yeah it was it was really bizarre it was really weird because I think I was I didn't I didn't feel massively confident I think I you know I was I was really doubting myself and funnily enough since I've been involved in screen tests with actors when they're yeah yeah. And it's it's really interesting because you can see it. You can see it when people walk into the room that they 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 they, they the nerves just do often. They go there. Yeah, they really do. I mean, it's a it's a weird I mean, being an actor is such that's why I've got all respect for them as well. I mean, it's so when you you, you know, it's people you're joining us over, people don't see what you've done to get there. And the fact that, like we said, some really big names I've seen to come for auditions. It's not that you know, suddenly a big name, I mean, some big names get off the parts, but it's a lifelong process, basically, being an actor, because you're always going to have to go back to those audition rooms and the screen tests. It's kind of, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you've yeah. had some really good people join, because I know Michelle Holmes joined as your mum, who I, I always love Michelle Holmes. Uh, oh. yeah. So did you screen test with her? No, I didn't She's actually. She probably um, offered it, surely, but... She did, I think she did, but... um yeah, she was ace. And it was, I mean, she was with us for probably about, it was about 18 months. I think she was there altogether. But then uh, she, it was, uh, the storyline was, I disco- Scott discovers that he was adopted. And then he finds out that he's got a brother uh, who's Damon. And then uh, Damon's, Damon's mum is Michelle Holmes. And um, I think Scott was hoping for this big, dramatic reunion with, with his mum and he goes to see her and she basically says to him you know look I didn't want you I never wanted yeah, you I don't, yeah but it was real it was a really nice arc to the story because it started off you know a really they had a really awful relationship but yeah at the end of that story Scott and his mum did mend that relationship and it was really sweet but then she got cancer and died I know it's like oh my god uh, but I mean, she because she, she's a soap legend, isn't she? From Corrie and I mean, yeah, she is, and, and we've kept in touch, which is nice. You? Brilliant. Yeah, I spoke to her last week. She's um, she loved it, and she, you know, but she's. I think she, it changed. It was really interesting when she was with us because she was talking about when she was on Corrie, and back then when when she did Corrie, they still had a uh-huh. day 
of rehearsals and they did a like a, a viewing for the producer. I imagine that. I mean, I can't even imagine that. It's incredible. No. Just think, I mean, uh, Emily, to uh, not Emily, Eileen, who played Emily and Corey told me, I mean, some amazing stories. I've said this one a few times, but basically when they filmed inside at the beginning, they didn't have a street and they used to have to pretend to step up the curb that was drawn on. Um, <laughs> but they used to have like a week long rehearsal and then a week long. I mean, it's like, oh my God. So you can imagine because they're wearing soap and come back. I mean, I know Gillian Telford found it quite tough on Hollyoaks because Hollyoaks out of all of them, because it's single camera, um, I mean, they all are probably at the moment, but because it's single camera, you film so many units at once and it's spread over a longer time and it's, you're going here, there and everywhere. It's, it's I mean, as we know, soap is tough anyway, but Hollyoaks, because it looks so amazing, they do it single camera, it kind of makes it even harder. And I think Gillian was the opposite. She was used to working so quickly on EastEnders and having it all done in a couple of days, but on holiday yeah. it was spread over and she was living in London so yeah it's kind of it's a it's a tough job as well isn't it it is but you know what Lee I secretly I quite love single camera stuff oh yeah no I do yeah it makes it look amazing obviously it, make, it makes it look amazing but also you get to you get to do it more so yeah, you get you to know, play around a bit more and yeah, and as an actor, sometimes it's nice to have a bit of a, a warm up. I mean, as you know, we'll we'll go in, we'll do a line run, we'll do a crew block, we'll do and a rehearsal. <laughs> um, but so so sometimes when it's single camera, if if they're not starting with a single on on you, you get to have a little bit of a warm up and and get into it, which I think is is really it's nice. good. I, I said to actors, some actors, you know, say if you were to go first, sometimes it can be annoying because you think, oh no, I wish I played it this way and I've already recorded yeah. mine. But um, so he came in as obviously he was openly gay, Scott, camping outgoing, troublemaking. I mean, his storylines have including, which is great. This is what I love Hollyoaks for when you list them. Storylines have included poisoning his aunt, Diane, pretending to have HIV, kidnapping Rose Lomax and ruining the family restaurant. I mean, you know, quite a... <laughs> Quite a bad thing there. But when you went in, obviously, you were supposed to spend a long time having storylines with Steph Davis's character, Sinead. Obviously, yeah. you know, she got dismissed. But that you must have been quite panicked at that time, thinking, oh, my God, is that, you know, I've just joined. Is What's this going to mean for me? Well, yeah. And also, I mean, Scott, when, when, when I went in, Scott was written and he was originally intended to be this really bitchy, queeny type of character who was actually really unpleasant and really yes. mean. And within the first six weeks, or, well, it was about the first maybe two, three months of me being in the show, I'd poisoned my auntie, I'd kidnapped a baby, I'd lied about having a baby, all of these things. And honest to godly, the tweets and stuff. I bet you were hated, weren't you? Oh, they, the audience absolutely hated Scott. <laughs> he was quite a polarizing character. He was really, really big, larger than life, and, and this kind of, and really openly flamboyantly gay yeah. and I think a lot of people just weren't perhaps ready for that at that, at that point and and I, and I felt like the 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 character would be more interesting if we understood why he was like that and, and if, I think with any character you have to because I do think as well probably going uh, introducing a big openly gay character plus making him really unpleasant is just you know, it's a bit stereotypical of, you know, what, what people think those flamboyant characters are like. So it's good that they found the heart and the other side, because obviously there's always something behind anyone acting like that, isn't there? Yeah, of course. And I think what I, I had a chat with the with the bosses about it. And thankfully, they 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 kind of took that on board. And, and slowly but surely, you, you did start, they started peeling off a few more layers. And 
And Scott had, you know, there was the adoption story. He'd been looking after his gran who hadn't been very well. That um, you know, there was all he'd had. He'd had quite a tumult, like a turbulent life. Um, and and then we started to see him having fun with Sinead and they were kind of like a terrible two and, you know, they'd get up to all sorts of mischief together. And then, yeah, you know, when, when Steph left the show, it was, I mean, I was really, I was really sad because I loved working with her. She yeah, was oh, just she's a brilliant actress. She was fantastic. Oh, she is. She's incredible. And she yeah. is, she was so warm and welcoming to she's me. So when fun, I yeah. um, and I, you I, and Alex I, both got some time off, didn't you? I think as they rewrote stories. Yeah, we did. So we ended up um, we, we ended up having having some time off and then um, went to, to allow them to, to rewrite stuff. And I remember thinking because I hadn't been when I joined Hollyoaks, I went in on a six month contract with a six month option um, and they just picked up my second six month option. But I kind of thought at that point, oh, I wonder if, you know, it's an easy way for them to let me go. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you know. Well, look, thank God you'd already made your mark. I mean, he's such an impressive character, and you. I mean, you. I mean, why I found Hollyoaks different than the rest because obviously, and that is what Hollyoaks is like. It's like our Dallas, I suppose. It's it's heightened, and it does do. Obviously, it does really serious storylines, but it does do storylines that are quite out there, and it's quite hard to find the truth in some of them. So, it, do, do you always feel like you need to find the truth in the story, or can you? Because some stories are so out there. Do you know? Do you need to give him a reason to do stuff? To, to play it yeah that's just the way that I kind of pick through pick through all, all of the whenever I pick up a script I always try and think about where where he's been before yeah. that point, where he's going and you know what's gone on in his life and I think that just helps that, that as an actor it helps you to kind of get get into the scenes more and have a clearer understanding of how you're going to play them I've never ever picked up a script and thought I've got no idea how I'm going to play this. I think it's, I always, I do kind of think it's our job to make it work. Whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and I was also really conscious of the fact that I didn't want to be because I'd worked because I'd been a storyliner and because I'd been a script editor. I didn't want to be the, the guy who is constantly upstairs saying, "Oh, yeah. can we just this? Can we do that? Can we do?" So I've I've made it. I've made a kind of that, conscious effort really that's never. That's strange, actually, because you've been that side. Because I always say, I mean, I, there's so there's a fine line, I think, because say, I do think people like June Brown, who created Doc Cotton, are so uh, protective over their characters that they will go upstairs and say, blah, 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 because obviously writers come and go and stuff. Um, and I do think that's made soap legends be like they are. But obviously, nowadays, everything's so fast, it is quite annoying actors coming upstairs. You know, like it, so it's it's a fine balance, isn't it? Because I think it's great when actors protect their character. And if they you do, you know, that they, they do think, right, that's really not right. You know, it's kind of like theirs to protect in a way. Um, yeah. So it, it is. And I think we all are, to a certain extent, we all, we all would, if there was something in a script which felt totally alien to any of our characters I think or every single one of us would would flag it or yeah um, you know we're, we're kind of they always tell us not to raise it on the floor you, you you meant to raise it in advance so that they've got time to deal with it and and often we try and do that but sometimes it's it's a case of you get to the floor and and there's been an amendment and you think oh actually I need to I need well sometimes to I think you used to get to the floor and when you hear it read by everyone then things can come up do you know what I mean and you go oh actually that doesn't work so I do that what I love about it is it should always be a collaborative thing do you know what I mean it's a constant journey I used to think so it is uh, yeah 
Yeah. It's nice to change stuff on the set because sometimes you can really change things for better. And you said earlier about obviously weird partnerships and they put you with James Sutton, who obviously legendary James, who I know really well. He plays John Paul, who kind yeah. of set the world alight in Hollyoaks when his character went gay. So, but a strange partnership with him and Scott. So that must have been exciting as well to take on that that partnership. It was. And I kind of feel like there's still unfinished business between Scott and John Paul. I mean, Scott proposed to John Paul. That's how serious. Yeah, Scott well, he was probably his first love, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah, he was. First person Scott had ever slept with. And I think that was, um, that, that you know, that he, he just kind of fell head over heels and it was like big first love. Um, and John Paul, you know, he had this sensible job. Scott didn't. You know they were they were polar opposites, but I do think it will be interesting to see now that Scott's um, single again after Mitchell left him um, months after their wedding. Um, <laughs> I feel like you know it, it it would be interesting to see if Scott gets another love interest and whether or not they'll pair him with someone new or whether it'll be someone who he's maybe been with before because. I do think it will be interesting to see that dynamic and and John John Paul's character um he's having a bit of a rough time because he's going out with PC Kiss at the yes. moment. Yes, oh god, I mean there's trouble ahead there. Mm, I mean very yeah. looking but um I mean I know the answer is no but to ask you for people listening is it weird doing scenes when you are a gay man yourself but you're playing it with a straight man who's playing gay like does it cause is it any different than doing it with a gay actor? Not at all. It re- and it really isn't. Um you know, you, you, you just, it's, it's, it's like, it's just a job. And so yeah, you go in exactly. and you, you, you do, you do what, what is required. And then, and then you kind of, you go home. I've, I've worked with, um, Scott briefly had a relationship with, um, a doctor. Yeah. The, he, the guy who played him was a, was a straight actor, a really, really lovely guy. Um, and it was, it was, you know, it was no different than, you know, doing scenes with, Kieran or anybody else uh yeah no I totally agree and acting is a job so I think it is um I mean on Emmerdale like Danny and Ryan who played obviously uh Aaron and Robert who were one of the big couples were yeah. great. um I do have to admit that when we used to do kissing scenes I did used to leave it quite a while before I called cut just to <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> um, it is quite obviously for them too it was quite strange gearing up for a kissing scene with a guy do you know what I mean and they were not at all homophobic but it's just quite a weird thing that your job can take you into sometimes if it's not um, something that you would do in everyday life then yeah i guess it must be really it it, it must be odd but then and again, again as we know kissing scenes or whatever are always weird anyway because you've got a whole crew watching do you know what i mean yeah. so uh, uh, i hate them i do i really i, I don't enjoy them um it's kind of like being judged you know like we'd all hate to be judged on our kissing table it's almost like you're being judged there and then just how you look kissing do you know what i mean it's one of those weird things yeah. Well, also, and how often do you see yourself kissing someone? No, yeah, I know. Yeah, you wouldn't. Oh, yeah. So when when it when it's on screen and and you're watching yourself, you kind of you can't help but cringe a little bit because you kind of think, oh, is, that, is that is that what I look like when I kiss someone? <laughs> it's kind of like if you see yourself dancing on videos, you're like, oh god, I used to, I've always thought I look quite cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, right, but we'll move. So, Hollyoaks favorite thing. So, quick list that I've been doing on series two. Favorite set. Oh, well, so pre-COVID, um, my favourite set would probably be Diane's flat. B- 
because I just had so many good times. That's where Scott lives. Yeah, That's where and, I mean, we have to mention Alex Fetch, who again is a legend. I had Sue Johnson. Icon. And Alex, Alex is part of Brookside as well. I mean, she's just, and she looks glorious still. Like, she's stunning. Yeah. She is, she is. And she was she was one of the people who I did feel really starstruck by when I joined. Sure, I, yeah. I knew that she was going to be playing my auntie. And then I was a massive Brookside fan. And I remember her so clearly as Jackie Dixon, and so meeting meeting Al for the first time, you know, was a bit like, oh my god, I, you know, I'm, I'm t- it's it's you. It's I it's know. Jackie. Were you at Cory when uh, Sue joined Sue Johnson, or had you gone? I'd gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, was, I was there. Yeah, I was. She I was, was one of my ones that I was like, oh my god, like this is I'm just about. It was her, and bizarrely, the other one just because of my childhood was directing Emily Simons who played Marilyn in Home and Away for the first time. Oh yeah. I yeah. myself in the pub and she said, didn't have any, I think she had one line, but she said, what do you want me to do? And I was like, oh, just, you can do anything. <laughs> just be you. Anything behind the bar, <laughs> Marilyn. And she was <laughs> Marilyn to me. So that was like, yeah. Amazing. But okay. So, but her house, so many memories. Great. Favorite ca- other character. Oh, I know. So um, big on your spot for all of these. So my favourite other character in the show, at the minute, it, it's probably Goldie, um, oh, played yeah. by Kelsey Healy, because I just think she she's a great McQueen. I think she's, you know, she's bold, she's brassy, but she's got a real heart. And she's I think her character is just hilarious. So I, I really enjoy scenes with Goldie in. Yeah, that's a good one. And the worst giggler on the set, the one who makes, you know, can't help but lose it. Uh, probably me. Uh, <laughs> I'm really bad. If so, if so, I'm re- and and it's kind of like it takes you back to school days, doesn't it? If you if you oh, know that, it's a lot. Like, yeah, it's the worst thing, and then it just makes it, it it makes it even worse. And I've done scenes before where my shoulders were. I once did a scene with um, Nicole Barbalane oh, and Nicole, yeah. um, Di Langton, um, so Na- Nana McQueen, Nana and, Mike. Yeah. and it was. Myra's Hindu uh, before she was marrying Sally and she was having doubts and Scott, Myra and Nana all end up in the toilets, in the ladies' toilets in the dog and they all have this heart to heart. And um, and on the day that we shot it, Di delivered a line and she she kind of barked this line and I didn't expect her to deliver it that way. And it gave me, a, I, I jumped because it, I was such, it was such a shock. And when I jumped, that set Nicole off. Then I started laughing. But then the ca- the, the camera was on was on die. So we we tried to keep going for her, <laughs> but my shoulders were rocking. You know when you get and tears were yeah. streaming. Because the crew were laughing, and it was it, that was probably the funniest day that I've ever had on set. I love days like that. And I used to sit in the gal. If I was in the gallery, I used to feel terrible because the, normally technicians in the gallery are very professional quite old and don't find yeah. anything funny and I'm the one that's supposed to be controlling things and I, I used to get it more than because what I love is if someone's messed up a line or someone's done a line it gets earlier and earlier in the takes the next takes when you start thinking <laughs> of that line's coming and you can see people starting to fall and who would you say your best mate is from the Hollyoaks cast uh Steph Waring who plays Cindy we're really close we speak oh, more I love you. Steph I've had some nights out with Steph she's amazing yeah, I love her. But she's uh, another one that still looks so fabulous. So, um, well, so we've got Hollyoaks. We'll quickly talk about some other things because, oh my God, we can just talk for ages. But so you moved to Manchester at the age of 18 to study before mm-hmm. me, like you said, at the University of Salford, um, at Salford. Uh, is it Salford or Salford? 
Salford. Salford. Um, and really for the listeners out there, I mean, I've had, it was nice on this podcast, like, yeah, um, or not yesterday, <laughs> in the podcast land on one of the other episodes, Tony Discipline and Matt Laplinskas from EastEnders. Like, Tony Discipline did a, was working on a fish market when he got EastEnders. And it was quite nice to hear the fact that you don't have to go to drama school. But, I mean, do you think it's really beneficial for younger people to go to drama school if they want to make it in the acting world? Well, I guess I didn't go to a, a traditional type of drama school. You know, I, I, I went to, I, I auditioned for E15 in London and Lambda. And I did, I, did, I did apply to some of the more traditional drama schools. But for me, when I went, to, as soon as I walked into Salford, I knew it was where I wanted to go. There was a big, long corridor with um, music rooms either side of the corridor and you, I could hear people singing. I could p- hear people doing warm-ups and stuff. And I just felt like I was walking into fame you know what I mean yeah yeah I just thought oh my god this stretches as they drink (laughs) yeah leg warmers yeah I just this is where I need to be this is this is this is this is it for me but the course that I did was was really helpful because we did modules on tv acting and you know we we I knew that I wanted to work in tv so it did help me and I would always say to people you don't have to you know potentially go to a big rada or a big kind of conservatoire type drama school you can still get really good training at, at unis like man met's a great course um you know lipper in liverpool those kind of places are all really really good i don't think it's vital that you have to no, train i know i agree and i think like you and me both did actually is you know i did mine at university as well because i did so i would say to anyone if you're at university even uh and because you're at university, you're not supposed to be getting a paid job. That's the time to work experience and stuff. And just learn about the industry. Because I learned so much from being able to spend months at the BBC, which you wouldn't be able to do if you were being not being paid. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's just getting to know that industry like you. I think it makes such a difference when you've seen the other side of the camera as well. Because it's like me being a director. I don't think there's directors who've made being director and not done all the other jobs on the set. And I think if you don't understand being a writer yeah. or being, you know, it makes it much harder. Um, you were lucky so you had parts in like you've been in Emmerdale I mean you were in Emmerdale who did you play in Emmerdale the first time I went in I played a character called Alex Orton Alex Orton and I think he was he was um, Jenny Jenny Dingle Jenny um, oh Genesis oh Oh, Sean yeah yeah Sean oh she's Genesis one of my favourite characters ever I love Sean's characters Genesis yeah oh right you were in it with her brilliant she she went on a series of kind of disastrous dates and I, I was one of her disastrous right. And then the second time I just played a copper in a, in an episode. But uh, yeah, I've d- done Emmerdale twice. Um, my first job after after leaving uni was an ITV drama called 11th Hour. Which and that's was with Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart and Ashley Jensen. And I played a barman. It was literally one scene. But again, I got that part because I was the production runner on that drama. And the director was um, an amazing director called Terry McDonough. And I said to Terry at the time, and you know what as well, Lee, sometimes I think it's like the arrogance of youth. I was 21 and I'm, I had no fear in marching up to the, to Terry and saying to him, oh, Terry, look, I know I'm a runner, but I'm yeah, also... But I, yeah. And and I, I just wondered if there's any, you know, if there was anything that you feel I might be right for. And bless him, he he, he said, oh, well, I'll, let me speak to the casting director and I'll see if there's anything. And, and the only thing that there was was this was this barman but it well, was a true. and sorry you say the arrogance of you but i i actually kind of think that and also think though 
working in production as well, I've had so many work experiences, so many runners and stuff. And actually, there aren't that many that are committed because a lot of them are there for different reasons. You actually doing that, I think, is not arrogance. Is actually you go, oh, God, this guy's genuinely wants to be in the industry. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. actually, I think you forget how many people come and they're not like that. And it's not arrogance. It's just that pure love that people come shining through. Yeah, it is. It is. And I did love it. I, you know, and I still do. I love I love working in telly. I love the people. I love the excitement of it. I love how things can change so quickly. It's it's every day is different. And I and I do love it for that reason. But yeah, he gave me that he gave me that little part. But the brilliant thing about that part was that the scene itself was was me opposite Patrick Stewart. So oh my god, incredible. I've always got that on me, spotlight scene. Yeah, that's your first your first role. Yeah, my first role I was cast with Patrick Stewart. In, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. And um, they, you know the amount of emails I wrote to casting directors at the time saying, oh, well, I've just worked alongside Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. TV drama. Yeah. I've oh. just done, I did that play with Sue Johnson last year, so that's my first line to everyone now. I've just come off a job with Sue Johnson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. terrible, isn't it? And like you said earlier, actually, and it's no, not to give people this advice, but at the beginning, you do kind of have to, you know, make stuff up to get in because it's it's one of those things like as an actor getting an agent, you can't get an agent unless you've worked, but you can't work mm-hmm. unless you've got an agent. It's that, that thing that you have to find a medium of kind of trying to trying to get in. But you've also will end on the news that obviously you were nominated for an RTS award in 2010. You were nominated for Best Comedy Performance at the Soap Awards in 2016 and you won in 2018 Best Male Dramatic Performance, which is amazing. Like and that must have been incredible for you getting up on that stage, A knowing everyone off you know behind the scenes yeah. programs and seeing people from the shows you were production you know you were the assistant to the producer on it must have been an incredible feeling oh you know what it's it's the, I, I, the the soap award is in my kitchen and I've, i put it in my kitchen because i thought well i need to put it somewhere where if if i get company if we get guests i want everybody oh, to see it, it. My, i can <laughs> actually see mine in my office now and mine's got oh. yours got the glass ball on it no, my, oh, okay, because mine's quite I old. My glass balls might become detached, so if you knock it, it kind of goes stumbles off and rolls across the floor. But yeah, I do, I do love my soap award. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was the most. I di- I really didn't think I was going to get it because at at the at the time, um, they ha- I think um, you know the big Pat Phelan story at Corrie, and he oh, was yeah yeah he was Connor, yeah, and, and that whole you know his his storyline at the time was massive. And I just dramatic performance is the biggest one, isn't it? As well, you know, with female performance as well, they're big awards to get. Yeah, and I just kind of thought, oh look, you know, surely it's bound to go to someone in either Corrie or EastEnders or Emmerdale. I didn't, I didn't really didn't expect to win it. And when they called my name, I just remember just not quite believing that it had happened. And the rest yeah. of the Hollywood guys just erupted. And I thought, oh my, and then I thought. Oh my God, I've got to get up and I've got to go up, I know. And it, and I was it was just the most nerve-wracking thing. But what was lovely was I remember being stood there and looking out at the audience. And I remember obviously the Hollyoaks guys were all on their feet and they were, you know, clapping and cheering. But I looked across and the Emmerdale guys were and the Corrie guys were as oh, well. Amazing. And it was, it just felt it was really, really special. And I'll never ever forget. 
forget that night. I'll never forget the hangover afterwards either. To be I fair. know I'll never forget any of my sober water hangovers. Um, the worst ones were when, if it, it were, you know, when I was going down with, because obviously when the worst time is when I went with East Senders and I was not not the worst time. But I was nominated for an award there for the fire, and but I'd left, you know, I it was my first East Senders, and I've been at Emmerdale for like eight years, and I felt like I was cheating, and everyone was giving me looks like I was cheating. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the Hollyoaks gang. And we won Best Soap, he sent us one Best Soap, and I just stayed, I was the only one in the whole section that stayed there, because I thought, I'll be killed if I get up. Emmerdale will kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a legendary night, because it's great when soaps come together, because everyone, obviously, you've worked on different ones, and so have I, so it was great once you'd worked on them all, because you were like, oh my God, I know everyone in this room. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you did it, it's great, because you're like, oh my God, look, it's uh, Barbara Knox, or whatever. Uh, but the, it, they're such families that it's like the best, probably the, the most fun evenings I've ever had are the soap boards because it's just like the biggest group of friends and family getting together, isn't it? And how how rubbish that we've not been able to have one this year because of COVID I and know. stuff. I, I know. I know. Like next year, if, if the world's back to normal, can you imagine how it's going to be mad? But I feel sorry for people like Shelley King, obviously from Corrie, who was brilliant. In oh, Korea. Know, you know, like know. you miss your chance of winning because not that awards are everything, obviously, as we know. But like when I won, it's still bloody amazing when you win one. Oh, God. Yeah, no, it is. It, it is. And I mean, I think because I've been nominated for the comedy one two years previously and I didn't win then, I just kind of thought, oh, well, you know, it's I'm, I'm probably not going to win this time. So the, when I did, it just made it, it, it was, it was incredible. And it's better being the underdog because when I won for Emmerdale, we were so, Emmerdale wasn't like Emmerdale is now. Like we, it was so the third soap and really didn't ever win at the soap awards. I think it was the first soap we won. And uh, so being the underdog is often quite nice because you don't expect it. So when things come on, it's much nicer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. It is. It is. And the British love Roll on next year. I just roll on next year until we can all see each other. Well, Ross, it's been amazing to have you on the show. I could talk to you for hours. It really interesting. Uh, and you. You're doing a brilliant job. And uh, I know everyone loves you out there. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh uh, no, thank you, Lee. And and keep keep on with this. I'm loving I'm loving listening to them and I'm gonna oh, carry good. on. I'm glad, mate. Yes, I will definitely keep on. Well, it's been lovely to have you on and I'll hopefully see you soon. Yeah, definitely. You take care. Bye, mate. <laughs> Thank you so much to Ross Adams from Hollyoaks. He is such a funny guy. And you must catch his TikToks. They are hilarious on his social media. Plus, we are going to be doing a duet together at some point very soon. So you must watch out for that. Remember, there are two episodes every week this season on Soap from the Box. Emmerdale's Charlie Hardwick, Val, one of my favourite characters ever, is on the other one this week. So make sure you check that out. And check Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, Soap from the Box, out all week for more information about who's coming up this series and ways to get involved. I would like to thank David and Eileen Stevens and the Bothy for all their edit and technical wizardry and Ian McCullum for all of his press help. Stay safe, have a good week and see you for another two episodes next week. <laughs>